Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. We help you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Figloaf. You can stay up to date by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Not Andy J. Figloaf. That's not my name. Andy J. Pizza is my name. Find me on Instagram there. Let's get into today's episode. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Ushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, antijpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you, where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. episode is about how I gained 20,000 followers on Instagram in one year. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, I'd say it's a medium amount. And that's kind of the point of the podcast. It's not, this show is not going to give you super crazy hacks to go from zero to 100,000 overnight. But about a year ago, I got super serious about Instagram and I started getting intentional and disciplined with it and tactical with it and it paid off in a major way and we bumped up 20,000 followers in less than a year. This episode is about what I learned from that process. Even if you're not crazy about Instagram or that's not going to be your primary social media outlet, Pretty much everything we're talking about today can be applied to whatever area of social media you want to focus on, but essentially the big idea of this episode is social media is just like anything else. If you put the time and energy and discipline into working on it, you can earn consistent results. It's not about going viral and winning the social media lottery that doesn't really have a great effect on your career in in most ways and it's pretty, uh, and it's not necessary for getting results. If you show up and put in the work, you can, you know, so to speak, earn a paycheck by the amount of input and effort you put in. That's the big idea of this and I wanna go through everything that I've learned about after I decided to take Instagram super seriously and the big payoff and results that I got from that. Let's go. The first thing I wanna tell you about, number one is play your greatest hits. This is just a quick tactic to get us into the swing of this episode. I wanna hit you with some killer. There's not gonna be any filler, but there's you know bigger ideas that are maybe not as tactically exciting and I want to start you off right number one play your greatest hits Uh, here's something that I've realized I was trying to learn from the masters of Instagram the people that have uh, 
ridiculous success on there and what do they do differently? And one of the things I realized is that they don't post something once. They take one piece of content, be an illustration, be a song, be a video, whatever it is, and they make multiple posts out of it, especially if it goes well. You know, there's this uh, chat online with Ricky Gervais and Jerry Seinfeld and Louis C.K. and Chris Rock, and Ricky Gervais says that he grew up in a family of staying in the joke. If you're getting someone laughing, you don't instantly change your next joke just because that's what you had planned. If they're laughing, you push it forward and push it forward and you milk it for everything that it's got. And recently from studying the people that are super successful on Instagram, I realized that that post that I knew was great, but maybe I posted it at the wrong time, the algorithm crapped all over it, it just didn't work out. I'm gonna give that post another shot. I'm gonna find a new context, something fresh to say about it. So, you know, this might've been something I posted a year ago, two years ago, five years ago. But some of those posts, those are my greatest hits. These are the songs that I would play every single concert, even if I wrote them 15 years ago. And so, and not only that, there's, there's multiple things you can post. So I posted uh, this sticker set that I did for this French toy company. And the first post that I did, I wanted to do a photo of the actual set because I wanted to change up what was on my Instagram because a lot of it was like digital imagery. I wanted an actual photo of this physical product. But it wasn't the coolest thing about it. I actually liked the digital sticker file. And so a few weeks later, I posted that. And so are you getting the most from the stuff that you're making? Are you, uh, you know, are you moving too, too quickly from your best work? There's even something authentic. There's something about building your brand voice, about revisiting your best work and things you want to be remembered for. Don't move on so quick. So that's what, that's my first tip. Play your greatest hits because regular touch points with your brand and your art are really important to staying top of mind for your customers and clients. And so I've been trying to post four or five times a week, but that doesn't mean four or five new pieces of content. One of the things I've been trying out is just scrolling back through my Instagram and stopping it randomly and seeing is there anything that catches my drift. It's a little mystical. I add a little cosmic weirdness to what I, how I'm gonna repost stuff and post my greatest hits. You don't have to be as weird as me, but if you like that kind of, uh, you know, astrology kind of uh, f fortune cookie approach to uh, what to post, that's been fun for me. But find a way, because there's a, there's a depth, there's a base note of your work, if you can start showing them stuff regularly and reminding them of your best work, it's really a shame for that stuff to get buried under all of the new posts. Uh, and the other thing I've noticed is in the same light as I've archived things that were time sensitive, things that I don't want to be remembered for, maybe something that was a experiment that I didn't actually feel happy about five months later. I feel fine about you can actually use the archive function, go into that post and click the three dots and archive that thing um, and just keep that thing streamlined with your, your best, freshest work. So that's number one, greatest hits. And by the way, I should say, I've got some of the biggest engagement on any posts ever on some of these greatest hits posts. Sometimes these greatest hits posts, I've framed them differently in the caption or I posted them there a different time. Like don't just hit it and forget it, right? Don't set it and wet it. I don't know what that means, but uh, I think about often about how Leonardo da Vinci must have posted Mona Lisa to his feed at the right time. Like that's one of the reasons we know about that painting is the algorithm, like, I don't mean it literally, but there's a thing about like right place, right time and just cast your nets on the other side sometimes. Like just give it another whack. If you felt really good about something that didn't get the response you wanted, give it another shot. There's been a few things like that that I knew this is really good and I reposted it later and it got all kinds of engagement or I said something different that helped people understand what I was trying to achieve in that. Um, but 
uh, some of these greatest hits posts have been the most successful posts on Instagram that I've done. There's even a bunch of stuff from back in the day when I had a smaller audience, and that's part of the reason it didn't get the engagement that it uh, that I thought it deserved. And I posted it again with my as my audience has grown, and I'm getting the most from that work. So it's not lazy. It's not crazy. It's not even hazy. This is what you need, baby. Your greatest hits. That could be my new greatest hits. Lazy, hazy, crazy, baby. Sounds like a TLC song. All right, let's go to number two. All right, number two is see Instagram as a marathon, not a sprint. You know, I think about, I feel like this addresses a lot of what we hate about Instagram. Now, I think there's a lot of hate from creative people about Instagram. And I don't think it's because, I don't think we hate it because we know it's meaningless. Uh, and and yet people give it a lot of, you know, attention. I think we hate it because we know it matters, but we don't know how to succeed at it. Like I think, and, and therefore we just we're just apathetic because we don't know what to do. We know that it has an impact on our creative career and yet we don't know how to win at it. And I think a lot of that comes from, I think a lot of the reason we feel like we don't have the potential to succeed is because I think we think of it as a sprint. I think we I think we believe that we have to go viral in order for it to be worth using. But I think about this like I was researching recently the benefits of walking to running. Uh, you know, let's say walking to sprinting. Walking and sprinting have most of the same benefits. The main benefit of sprinting is that you get, you cover more ground fast. But the thing that counts is covering ground. If you cover the same amount of ground in walking as you do jogging, it has almost the same benefits. And the point of that is it's not about getting there quickly. It's just about getting there. It's about putting in the time and putting in the discipline. The truth is going viral. I have gone viral on a handful of things. And yes, it has brought about a few breakthroughs in my creative career, but the best, most important things that have happened to me on social media have not happened because of viral success, but have happened from disciplined showing up and covering ground. And in fact, the risk of injury dramatically increases the faster you run. The risk of getting burnt out and crushed by the internet massively increases when you go viral. It's unsustainable. A lot of, you can get a lot of bad press. You can get a lot of haters before you're ready for them. You know, John Acuff says, overnight success doesn't come with overnight wisdom on how to handle success. Do you know how many careers have been undone because of going viral? And in fact, that's not really what social media is good for. In the rest of this episode, we're gonna dive deep into how to not approach social media like a slot machine, but approach it like a garden that you're slowly investing in and pruning and being intentional with and putting the fertilizer on and cutting the tomatoes off the branches, making yourself a delicious salsa, a, cre a creative social media salsa. Nothing to do with what I'm talking about. But uh, I think that that's one of the reasons we get discouraged before we get started is we think it's a sprint when it's actually a marathon. You can go any pace as long as you keep up. If you put a C-plus effort in over time, it's better than an A-plus effort on one day or one week by miles and miles and miles. Another reason we think that we, we approach this in the wrong mindset and we get discouraged is because it's unfair with the algorithm or we think that it just doesn't come easy to us. We just don't get, we're just not good at social media. And the truth is it's hard for everybody. The, most of the people that are good at it, 
that didn't just hit the lottery or just don't, you know, that it doesn't just come supernaturally to. They've had to learn. It's been hard. Let's go back to the running analogy. For uh, I used to run. I, I, this is my third season of getting into running over the past 10 years. Uh, two times previously, I quit for good because of getting injured. And in my mind, I just thought, man, I just keep getting injured. Running just doesn't come naturally to me. And so I just gave up. But this time, what I realized is that every single runner has obstacles, injuries, setbacks, and the people that stay healthy in their exercise are the people who accept that's all part of the game. That it's all part of being a runner is you are going to get hurt. You're going to hit obstacles. And it's not so much about if you do, but when you do, what do you do with them? You're going to hit obstacles. You're going to hit a, uh, you're going to plateau. Your followership's going to plateau. Your engagement's going to dip. You're going to get uh, hit with new technological uh, obstacles that, Facebook and Instagram is going to throw at you. But if you're expecting them, if you say that's part of this game, these new challenges and obstacles, that's what makes it interesting. That's the, uh, those are the barriers to entry that mean that my discipline will pay off when other people fall by the wayside. Because no matter what, and this has been my attitude about running this time, no matter what, I'm going to exercise. If I can't run for some reason, I'm going to do the elliptical, or I'm going to do cycling, or I'm going to do upper body, whatever it is. I'm going to keep going back at it, learning techniques, learning how, how do I, <laughs> now I'm getting into just running techniques. It has nothing to do with that. But don't think, well, if it's just not easy to me. I, you know, it's especially difficult for me. I'm just not cut out for this type of thing. None of us are. We're all learning it. Some of us find a little bit more natural than others, but everyone's going to hit obstacles. And I think if you can shift your mindset from super success sprint to long-term walking or walkathon or marathon, you will have some really big success over the long game. I think every artist listening to this should have the goal of having over 100,000 followers on Instagram, but I think that should be a 10-year goal. Do you know that it's been seven years since Facebook bought Instagram for billions of dollars? Seven years. It's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. I would guess that it's going to be around for the next 20 years, but I'm guessing it's definitely going to be around for another seven and in seven years, if you show up and just continually tend to that garden and put the time in, you will be blown away by the results you get by approaching it as a marathon and not a sprint. Number three is you gotta be taking advantage of one of the most powerful marketing techniques out there today, influencer marketing, by connecting and networking and making work for and about other people. Let me just connect this to the running thing for a minute. I went back to Columbus, Indiana. I live in Columbus, Ohio right now. It's very confusing. I only live in Columbus's. We're going to Columbus, Georgia next. Uh, but Columbus, Indiana, went back there over the weekend, and, and I went and I ran with the Crispy Boys. My buddy Matt Russ started this running group called the Crispy Boys. They go out for a run, and then afterwards they drink uh, like – Pilsner beers or something. I don't know. It's, I think it's beers that you kept in the crisper. That's why they're called crispy boys. Nice cold beers, even if it's Sunday morning, which it was. And it was one of the most fun I've had in a long time. But I went out and ran with them. And I'll tell you the truth. I was nervous about running with them because I never run in groups. And I was nervous because I was sure that they were going to push me to run faster. And they were going to you know, point out some thing, you know, maybe I had the wrong shoes or whatever. I, it was nervous. I was nervous. And I think that uh, we get this way in our creativity. 
We want to be in what I call our blanket fort uh, of, of creative energy. And we just push our little drawings out under the blanket onto the internet. And then we're just back away slowly. We don't want anybody to actually connect with us. But the truth is the reason we don't want to put ourselves out there. It's not a noble reason. It's ego. If you refuse to connect with other people online, you are going to hit a ceiling and that ceiling is going to be ego. That ego that says, I'm afraid to be humiliated. I'm afraid to be humble. I'm afraid to make myself vulnerability and get feedback and, and risk connection and risk the fact that I know that I'm not doing everything right. And when I'm out there running with this group, they're pushing me to run faster. And it's, and, and it, and it's kind of humiliating a little bit that I'm, I'm choking and wheezing while they're feeling fine. But you will not grow to your potential without putting yourself out there. While I'm out there, they're giving me <clears throat> techniques, breathing techniques, form techniques, shoe techniques, all kinds of stuff that I have no other way of knowing without getting around other people, risking that humility, uh, being forced to be pushed further than I've been on my own. And you've got to do the same in your creative work. Here's my suggestion. You don't even have to collaborate with influencers. And when I say influencers, I don't mean people with 2 million followers. I mean people with similar following to you. Maybe people two or three steps ahead of you. What I would do is I'd make a plan. If you want to have a business, here's the thing. If you want to uh, jog occasionally, short distances, if you want to just go on walks around your neighborhood, you can do that anytime, anywhere. But if you want to run in the marathons, if you want to not just be creative, but have a creative career, you've got to get help from other people. And to do so, you've got to have a plan. You can't have a business without a plan. And so what is your plan on a monthly basis, at the very least, to be connecting to other people who are thriving on Instagram? You don't even have to send them a message. You don't even have to collaborate with them. Some of the biggest uh, shares that I've done have been things that people made. I had a buddy, uh, online buddy now, which he wasn't a buddy when he did this, named Stephen Rhodes. He made a portrait of me as Ernie because uh, he knows I'm a chaos muppet who loves Ernie. And I shared it on my main feed. Main feed. I was so pumped about it. But we're in similar place. We're peers in, in most ways in our creative career. And I went out of my way to share it because it was a gift to me, this thing that he made. So who can you reach out to that maybe you're just a few steps ahead or in the same place as you are, a little bit behind even? Who can you lift up? Who can you, like n nobody can stop you from making a celebratory uh, image of, uh, you know, a tribute to something that you're pumped about and sharing it on your feed and giving a gift to other people. I think you'll find if you, I think you'll find Paul McCartney was right. The love you get give is the love you get. I don't know what he I don't know the actual lyric. I'm not a huge Beatle fan, but Beatle, I'm not <laughs> such not a fan, but I thought the band was called The Beatle. Anyway, have a regular plan. If you don't have people you can collaborate with or connect with on a major level, just start celebrating the people that you love. Give it away as a gift. And the more uh, lines you throw out there, the more fish you're going to catch. Number four is make share-worthy content. Now, I have realized through the process of doubling down on Instagram, 
committing to growing it because I know that it makes such a difference in my career. If I knock over that domino, every other domino that I want to knock over is easier. If you have an engaged following on Instagram, it is easier to get a book deal, it is easier to get client work, it is easier to sell to your customers. And when I decided to go all in and I started to uh, actively notice what's actually moving the needle on the engagement and the following on Instagram, nothing adds up more than making content that people share. And the truth is that great artwork is stuff that people share because great artwork is a gift. I always say, when I left Home Depot, there once they one time I left Home Depot, they were grilling out some hot dogs and giving them away for free. What did I do? I called my brother. I'm like, yo, man, got to get down to the depot that got dogs for sale that are free. You don't have to buy them. They're not for sale at all. I didn't say any of that, but I did call my brother and I told him there's free hot dogs. And he went and did it. Why? Because if people are giving away value, you tell people about it because you love the people in your life. You're like, I laughed at this. I cried at this. This mattered to me. This surprised me. I enjoyed it. I got something out of this post. And when you hit a certain threshold of value, people can't help but become an evangelist for your thing. And that's true of any art because any art that really, really works for the audience has real value. And so I've found that nothing is more powerful in growing my Instagram as creating real value, aka shareworthy content. And I've learned a lot about how to do that. I've gotten a lot better, even recently, about making stuff that people actively share. Now, the first thing I'm going to say about this is there's this idea from uh, ancient uh, texts that says uh, it's from the Bible. Okay, I grew up in the church, <laughs> and I, that you know this is a I I got a lot from that that book, um, and it says that if you're faithful with a little, you'll be given much, uh, and I think that that verse is about Instagram. <laughs> That's heresy. Anyway, uh, it's true though. Like if you really want to move the needle on your following, you need to think about who is already following you and serving them as well as you possibly can. If you are faithful with the little following you have now, if you're giving to them, if you're serving them, they will tell other people about it. So quit thinking about who's not following you and your next followers and think about who is already bought into what you're doing now and how do you show up and serve them. The better you do that, the more you will be given. Now, here's what I've learned. Here's some stuff that I've learned about making shareworthy content. I'm going to talk about it through the lens of you're a metal detector. This is going back to the taste idea. We talk about it almost every single week. It's a huge part of my creative philosophy. It's just essentially this idea that you're, you're, it's easiest to create from what you know. That phrase, you know, that art, uh, artist phrase that you've heard a million times, write what you know, it's what you know on a visceral level. And so you're a metal detector. What of these types of content light up your metal detector? Which of these things do you feel on the most deepest visceral level? Which of these things, when you see them on Instagram, light you up in a deep way? Like for some chefs, if they've got a sweet tooth. They've got a palate for sweet things. They taste deeper. They've got more taste buds on that. They can, they can sense the profile in a deeper way. And therefore, it gives them an ability to create that stuff for other people. You can't create what you don't know on a personal level. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I'm going to give you, let's pretend you have a metal detector for value, a metal detector for share worthy content. And one of these is going to light you up more than the others. And you should explore trying to give away these, this gold, if you will, this metal, if you will, will you? <laughs> All right, your metal detector, set it, see which of these 
lights you up the most, and then make some attempts to get good at it in a disciplined way. You're not going to go on your first run and, and do a 10K. No. Dedicate yourself over the long term about becoming a master at delivering this type of value. I'm going to talk about four different types today, okay? First, aluminum. Are you a, an aluminum metal detector? Does that light you up? Does that hit your sensor? What's the aluminum? It's a mirror. It's reflective. It's do you have a taste for art that is a mirror? Do you love art that uh, is hashtag relatable? That's what my friend uh, Omar Nori says from These Are Things. Like what the things that you make that mirror your audience because they can so relate to it. If you can show them things about themselves that they'd never seen before, they will share it because it will express something about them, their identity that they haven't been able to express before. And they'll feel seen. That's what art that's a mirror does. We're going to go deep into this art as a mirror thing in a future episode. But for now, you know, something that speaks to their laziness or their struggle or their insecurities or, uh, you know, you being vulnerable to share something about what it means to, for you to be a human that helps other people be vulnerable. Do you want to be a mirror to them? Do you want to show them that you can relate? If you can show them things they didn't even see in themselves, they will share it because it'll help them express their identity, which is a big part of being human. It's just a human drive. Or is your metal detector for steel? You know, welding, that's related to steel, right? You weld steel bars together. That's bonding. That's what the leap I'm going to make there. Steel is about bonding. Are you all about the group? Do you love being part of a tribe? Do you love having a sense of identity and something you share with other people? If you are someone who loves to celebrate the group, what you're a part of, then making work that celebrates a particular identity might be for you. For me, that could be ADHD, is that I like being part of that group. And when I make stuff that expresses things that are central to being that type of person, that show I know exactly what it means to be an ADHD person, people that respond to that, people that relate to that, people in that group that want to bond with other people, it's a core human drive to want to bond, will share that so that other people can chime in. That's the steel. Are you brass? Is that the kind of metal detector you are? Is that the thing that lights your metal detection up? Brass. That's getting brass, getting, getting down to brass tacks, a.k.a. the facts. This is fun facts, unusual facts, things that uh, make you surprised. Can you believe that narwhals, that horn is a tooth on a narwhal? Right? Like if something actually, uh, maybe you're someone who loves, I love to learn a new tactic. I love a quote that shares some wisdom, shines life in a way that I, in a light that I'd never seen. I'm, I have a sensitivity to uh, tactics. Like I love a good marketing tactic, a good hack. It's something I capture those, I collect them. And if I think they're really good, I share them with my friends. If there's a crazy fun fact about, uh, you know, a, a deep sea creature, I really am into that. And I'll share that if it's really funky. So how can you surprise or enlighten your following if you have that brass metal detector, the brass tax facts, unusual? How can you teach them something, help them learn? When someone really learns something that's exciting to them, they will share it. If that's lighting you up, if you love learning something new that's uh, on any, you know, it could be about anything then you can share that through you. Maybe you're a musician and you love learning a new recording technique. Share that. Do a video about it on Instagram. Anything that you can, uh, you know, share that is learning and surprising, that's the brass. And the last one is your zinc. This, <laughs> this one's the biggest stretch for the metal thing, but I, I still liked it. So zinc, they use it to galvanize iron to... Uh, uh, reinforce it <laughs> and 
This is the worst one. But zinc is about a story, storytelling. The thing about storytelling to me and what I think why we tell stories is it's the only way that we can understand life. It's a way to galvanize, to to galvanize us, to get to to <laughs> making the leap. There's no connection. There, it's loose. It's loose, okay? But it's zinc. We're calling it zinc. The storytelling. Do you have this metal detector? For me, I love story because it's so easy for me to slip into the meaningless of life, the apathy of life, the nihilism of life, the hopelessness. I get into, you hear how hopeless I'm getting right now? <laughs> so I love the weird noises that people make when they're doing ugly crying. <laughs> but I, I need story. I need story to reframe reality and struggle and strife so that I have the strength to show up every day. And so are you a storyteller that helps people make sense of life, that galvanizes their life, that gives us a structure for uh, a foundation to make sense of things, that gives, helps, gives us a sense of peace and clarity and hope? Like, that's what story does. Do you have a sensitivity to story? Does it hit you on a deep level? Instead of thinking about what am I good at? What are my abilities? Think about your sensibilities. Which of these things shows up on a visceral level? Which of these things do you love the most? Those that you hit in the most visceral way for you, you'll be able to recreate those recipes because you know. Because, the reason is, is because the the main thing about creative work is knowing what's the good stuff that actually counts and everything else that's meaningless and everything else that's fluff that's what i think this podcast is about is that i feel like i have a sense of ooh that's a good that's like a that's an idea that really lights me up or that's a tactic that really sets me on fire and that gets me excited like it, that really motivates me my metal detection for motivation is off the hook and often it comes from a deficiency it's the things that we need the most i need nurturing so bad and it makes me a good nurturer which of these things do you need the most? Do you need to be shown your humanity so that you know that you don't have to be perfect? Maybe that means you have the aluminum mirror. You're going to be that on Instagram. Do you need, are you, do you feel susceptible to loneliness? That means you need to bond and be part of the group and you've, you're the wield, the welder, the steel. Do you, do you, do you feel like uh, things are mundane and you need that sugary, fun fact that just helps you have a little bit of fun in the day? Or do you need to have your life galvanized by the zinc of a story? Storytelling that helps us make sense of things, gives us hope and peace and clarity. A narrative can do that. Maybe you're a storyteller. Whatever it is, I believe that you need a sense of what are the free hot dogs you're giving away on Instagram on a regular basis so that people can show up regularly knowing what to expect, getting accustomed to it, expecting it so that they can tell other people this is something you can count on. When, before I called my brother up and told him about the hot dogs, I asked the lady, how long are you going to be here? Like 15 minutes? Because if that's true, I'm not going to call my brother. It's got to be something I need, you know, my trust level with the people that I'm going to share with. Uh, I, I need to remain true to that. I need to be trustworthy. And so what are you going to, there's a, we talked about a few weeks ago, Jim Collins teacher said that, you know, in business, you don't have to be worried about outright failure. You have to be worried about success that you don't understand. You don't know how you were successful at this thing. That's the worst kind of failure in business. It's called a one hit wonder. You had this hit. You don't know how you did it. You don't even know how you wrote that song. That is the, uh, the curse of creative businesses. You've got to have a sense of what's my target? What am I trying to produce? What kind of value am I trying to give? How am I serving my community? 
know what it is, and figure out how to do it on purpose. If you do that, everything else on Instagram is uh, icing on the cake. This is the meat of the cake. Now that's disgusting, but a meat pie? This is the meat of the pie. And then on top, you just need, the, all the rest is brown sauce, baby. <laughs> that's just all British stuff. My wife's British. Meat pies are a thing. They're the best thing. HP, brown sauce, whatever. This is falling apart. And uh, But I need you to keep listening because I have a few other important things to say. Some of the biggest breakthroughs in my Instagram growth came from number five, writing on stage. So we've talked about this before, this idea of comics rarely, you know, sit down in front of a word document and just write out their set, that they do a lot of their best writing out on stage while they're able to get that feedback loop of what's working and what's not. Now, I'm not going to go into defending this method. If you need that, then you probably haven't been listening to this show very long because I do it almost every episode. In this show, we believe that there's power in getting feedback from your audience. Now, I'm not saying you ask them what they think is funny. You have to show up. It's a process. You show up to Instagram with what you think is good, but then you take a listen at what they're consistently responding to and you adjust so that you can figure out not what to do, but what of what you want to do actually worked and tweak and improve that skill of delivering value. So this has been huge for me. What I, what I did at some point was I looked back through my insights and I asked myself, I, I started to go through, what did I say in the caption of these? What medium was I using? What medium of that, because I, I do a lot of different things. I do analog techniques, I do digital techniques, I do comics, I do lettering, I do all these kinds of things. What kind of medium was working? on the biggest post that also felt the most authentic to me? What metal value was I producing? You know, was I teaching? Was I mirroring? Was I welding? Was I brass taxing? Which of the ones was I doing that, that was working the best for my audience? Like, go back through your insights. Go check out. You can even, even if you don't have a business account on Instagram, just go Go through your Instagram and find what are the ones that people were commenting on the most that were making the deepest hits for my audience and what did those things have in common? Take that information and then take it back to the drawing board and try again with that insight. The most, I've had some serious breakthroughs recently realizing that the when I explained a uh, majority of the idea in the actual imagery, like writing on the imagery. I ended up creating what was essentially comics. I didn't even know I was making comics. I was just writing on stage. I realized if I get a lot of the, the good stuff out of the caption and into the actual artwork, that people engage more fully and it hits home. And that caused me to have some of the biggest growth I've ever had. So figure it out, but it's going to be different for you. So don't just take my word for it. Go find the posts that hit that Venn diagram between the things that are the most authentic and exciting to you that you've done that have also been the most resonant to your audience. And, and measure comments as much as you do likes. Likes are kind of cheap. I think comments are a better metric of this actually hit them on a depth. Um, if you have insights on business, look at what people shared the most that's probably the most valuable to your audience because they're becoming evangelists and, and, give, and passing on that value to their friends. Go find those things. Find the patterns. Try to replicate them. If you can't replicate the value that you provide, you cannot have a business. And therefore, a career in creativity is impossible for you. You've got to be able to show up and do what you do on purpose. And the only way to do that is to understand your target and maximize your potential for hitting it. The way that you do that is riding on stage.
number six and my last point is it's not about you. You are not the hero of your Instagram. You know, Nancy Duarte, she has a talk about how to give great talks. It's kind of meta. And she says that the people that get up on stage and see themselves as the hero of the room get it wrong. But the stage is intoxicating. Being on Instagram, having your own platform, it's intoxicating. And when it's your Instagram, it's easy to think it's about you, that you're the hero of your Instagram. But if you treat Instagram like that, it's almost impossible to win. But instead, if you will see yourself on stage as the guide and the audience as the hero, you will do incredible things. I think that we see this on a deep human level. You know, I heard Russell Brand say that he, when he's feeling upset and his life is feeling meaningless or he's feeling bored or he's feeling angsty or uh, he's just feeling down, the temptation is to make himself happy. The temptation is to seek pleasure. But what he's learned from a life of pleasure-obsessed seeking is that no matter what he does, when he's feeling down, trying to make himself happy never works. But when he's feeling down, when life feels meaningless, if he will try to make others happy, it will increase his own happiness. And I believe, you know, uh, Viktor Frankl argued uh, Freud said life was that that people were seeking pleasure. And, and Viktor Frankl said, no, they're seeking meaning. And meaning comes from, whether it's div- a divine uh, you know, order or whether it's just evolution, we're social animals, we're set up to be in relationship to other people. And your sense of value is not about how much better you are than others, but rather how much better you make others. This idea of if I had more followers, I'd feel better about myself. Shift that to if I make others feel better about themselves, I will have more followers. There's this idea uh, of carbo-loading, and then there's an episode of The Office where right before a marathon, Michael Scott just starts downing a bunch of fettuccine. And even as he's doing it, it's just making you sick. He's about to go run after eating a giant plateful of fettuccine. It's disgusting. You know what happens. He ends up getting sick during his run because that's not carbo-loading. That's not the fuel that you need right before a run, right? (laughs) We all know that, and that's why it's hilarious. But it's not a laughing matter to try to get your sense of value and meaning from your follower count, from how much everyone thinks you're the hero. It's not funny. It's sad. It's, it, it's a meaningless path. And just like the way that we see Michael Scott downing fettuccine and we all are just, it just makes us sick to our stomach. We all know those artists that are just desperately trying to get new followers any skeezy, schemy way that they can, you know, tagging a million people in their images that have nothing to do with those people, you know, commenting, cool stuff, check out my stuff, you'll like it. Uh, It just makes us sick. Like Michael eating a plate full of spaghetti, makes a plate full of fettuccine before the race. We know that's not what it's about. We know that you are not the hero of this thing. We know that's not what you were built for. It's not what you are here for. 
You're trying to fill yourself up with the wrong thing and seeking followers for your vanity so that you can be the hero is just like downing fettuccine before the race. <laughs> now, letter that quote. That'll, <laughs> that'll get you some new followers. That's shareworthy content, baby. But it's true. And I believe that if you will shift your views from Instagram being a sprint to Instagram being a marathon, if you'll shift your views from Instagram is about your glory and instead see it as an amazing tool for impact, if you will be faithful with the small group of people that are already dedicated to your stuff right now, then it will grow and it will be a tremendous tool in your belt to thriving in your creative career. All right, that does it. Another episode in the bag. I hope that you are pepped out of your mind to put in the time and discipline to run your race this week. I hope this was just a delicious plate full of spaghetti the night before the race. Whatever that means. I mean fettuccine. I don't know if I said spaghetti or fettuccine. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to Alex Sugg for our soundtrack. You can check it out. Instrumental soundtrack. Perfect music to get in the flow state with. Uh, Go on Spotify or Apple Music and search Creative Pep Talk Soundtrack, and you can check that out. Thanks to Chris Graham for audio assistance. Uh, uh, He is a mastering engineer. He also has a podcast called The Six Figure Home Studio. If you are a producer, a mastering engineer in the space of earning a living with your audio, go check out their podcast. They got tons of business tips and insights about having a thriving career in that space. Thank you for listening. Until we speak again, stay pepped up.